wonderful night it was when Christ was born. God bless you, mate. Take your seats and uh, thank you, uh, musicians, Steve, your team, little bunny ears up there. Oh, they, I thought they were bunny ears. No, this is scarf. I'm sorry. It's brain ears. And good to have Eric, Derwin, Caleb, everybody else in church. Good morning. Uh, one of the great gifts you could give me for Christmas is to have my whole family in church with me today. That's very special. So, uh, that, that is awesome. And it's great to have you in church as well. Doesn't recognize me. <laughs> uh, Christmas is a fascinating time of year for, uh, I think for a minister particularly, because you've got this thing where a lot of people come to church today out of respect, or out of routine, or ritual, and really it's a case of we're just treading water to get us out the door to start the rest of the festivities. And I, I think that is the substance of most religion. We're keeping the form sometimes for very good reasons, but we're now losing the integral meaning of what it's all about. And so I am going to take that risk today to try and do something a little bit uh, in terms of digging down into the real truth of Christmas. So is that okay with you today? So I'm reworking something I did about 10 years ago. We'll go a slightly different way with it all, but uh, we'll get you out before you melt. Is that good? Is that good? Fantastic. So we'll just find it all. Why I just find my document, why don't you just get up and wish a few people happy Christmas? <laughs> Do we have a video ready to go? Thank you. And for those of you who don't know my wife, she's over here. She still exists. Hey, you, Sam. Hey. God bless you, buddy. Good to see you in church. Are you related? <laughs> you can probably tell me stories. You got the same cheeky grin. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we'll just run that, thanks. Push play. Mary was really scared that the angel came to her. He was one named angel called Gabriel. He was just a boy angel. He had wings and he was all white. And the angel said, you're going to have a special baby, and it was God's son. She was quite excited, a bit scared, and she was like, oh my gosh, you're going to have a son of God. And then she was like, I can't, I'm not married and stuff. Joseph, he was a builder, 
Mary told Joseph that she was having a baby called Jesus and it was God's son. Jesus in one of those troughs. They called the baby Jesus and they loved him. He had two dads, God and Jesus, for God protected him from the baby. The angels of the shepherds were going to Thanks, guys. Uh, very well done by the kids, I reckon. Um, I'm going to ask the question, what if there'd been no Christmas? Uh, you know, Merry, uh, Merry Holidays. Certainly it's some of the trends that we're seeing in the world today. Merry Gift Exchange Day. Merry Regifting Day. <laughs> Merry Booze Up. Merry Too Much Eating Day. Uh, John Lennon urges us to imagine a world without God. The tune imagined is beautifully crafted and has a haunting melody. It invites the listener to imagine that there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us is only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Sadly, John Lennon's, Lennon's dream, not Lemon, sorry. John Lennon's dream... Uh, was met by the cruel reality of a 
sin touched world when he was assassinated by Mark David Chapman on the 8th of December 1980. I want to do that just for a short time this morning. Let's do that this morning. Let's imagine that there had been no Christmas. What if there had been no baby in the manger at Bethlehem? What difference would it make? What would have changed if there was no Christmas? Well, first of all, if there was no Christmas, there'd be no celebration of his birth. There would be no September 11, because Islam is a derivative of Christianity. There would be no Muslims. There would be no America as we know it today, because Columbus believed that the world was round from reading the Bible, of which we, which we would not have, because there had been no Christmas. There'd be no democracy as in other world views, there's only one to rule the many. Our calendars would be different, would not be measured as before and after Christ. There would be no reformation in the 16th century, which means we'd still be under the ancient pagan practices and beliefs. There would be no public schools, no insurance, no companies, no orphanages, no freedom of rights for women, no abolition of slavery, which were all cause and birth out of a Christian worldview. There would be no Bibles, no Christian music, no books. In fact, much of the great, can I say great, art and culture that we celebrate all comes from a Christian worldview. There would be no Hallelujah Chorus, no Pilgrim's Progress, no Paradise Lost, and many others would have gone by. There'd be no choir singing at Christmas because there'd be nothing to sing. There'd be no churches, no missionaries. Africa and Asia would still be sacrificing children and bound by fear and superstition. There'd be no exploration of the deepest and darkest Africa because there'd be no Livingston who had no reason to go there. There'd be no Joan of Arc, no Martin Luther, no Finney, no Moody, no Billy Graham. There would be more poverty more illiteracy and more ignorance in the world. There'd be no modernization of backward cultures, all of which were reached by missionaries. And this is one that will really catch us by surprise. There would be no science because it's only a transcendent God that's the first cause that gave rise to an ordered creation that makes science possible. Otherwise, we'd still be back into the days of myth and magic and nature worshippers. There would be more crime, more drug and alcohol abuse, more vice, and we would be less safe. There would be no AA, no 12-step programs, no teen challenge, no general booth, no Salvation Army to help the poor. There'd be no Santa Claus or Father Christmas or Saint Nick or Saint Patrick because there would be no saints. There, would be, there wouldn't even be jingle bells. There would be, sadly, fewer families, less dads, more single mums, and more broken children. There would be no gospel. There would be no grace in religion and no compassion. Peter would have died just another fisherman, Paul another religious bigot, Luke just a doctor, Livingston just a clever boy, Finney a New York attorney, Luther a frustrated monk, and Mike Keating, just another teenage suicide. There would be no resurrection. There would be no hope. There'd be no words of comfort for those on their deathbeds. 
there would be no hopeful counsel for the destitute, no cause for encouragement, no reason to go on. There would be no peace with God, no assurance of salvation, no guarantee he would hear and answer our prayers, no sure relationship with God, there would be no relationship possible with our maker. There would be no perception of God as a loving father. There would be no freedom in religion, just rules and the slim chance of winning God's approval if we just try hard enough. What if there had been no Christmas, no manger, no star, no shepherds, no wise men, no Christ? We would live in a very different world. It might be happy Xmas, happy holidays, season greetings, but it would change the world in which we live on irrevocably and we would not recognize the world in which we live. So how would it change your life? What would you be today if there'd been no Christmas? Where would you be today if there'd been no Christmas? As for me, I'd probably be dead or in prison today. So what has Jesus done for you? How has he changed your life? If there'd be no Jesus, there would be no worthy purpose in life. It would be eat, drink and party on, dude, for tomorrow we feed the worms. There would be no living, only dying. There would be no Jesus. There'd only be no example to follow. There'd be no atonement for sin. There'd be no forgiveness. There would be no gift of life. There'd be no victory over death, hell and the grave. There would be no defense against a chaotic world. When you celebrate Christmas, you celebrate more than just the birth of a baby. You celebrate life with a capital L. And all the hope and the potential wound up in the life Jesus. You celebrate a love that cared enough to give the best. You celebrate hope, not only for you, but for all mankind. It's an amazing thing. So when we rejoice this year, let's go beyond the Christmas wrappings. It's a celebration of life and life to the abundance. So let's keep celebrating life. The thief comes to kill, maim and destroy. And at this time of the year, for many people, there will be more death, more self-harm, more attempted suicide, more loneliness, more rejection than any other time of the year. It's the nature of the enemy. But Jesus came 2,000 years ago to give life and to give it to the full. If you don't know Jesus in that way, then you don't know him. You know about him. And it's a good place to start to know about Jesus But to actually know him is a different deal. It's to have an intimate, personal knowledge of him where you talk face-to-face, presence-to-presence, that, yes, he sometimes says, Mike, you're doing something stupid. Does God talk to you like that? Mike, slow down, you're speeding. Then he saves you from that, getting your picture taken. Isn't God good? But if you just, God's in your life. He makes a difference. He redefines it all. And that's my challenge to you today, is if somehow through the Word and through the Holy Spirit and through your attentiveness today, that you move beyond the tradition of Christmas into the reality of the Christmas child that changed everything. Because he was born, but he was born to die. He was born to die in order that he might be resurrected to a new life 
and change history forever. There are two birth narratives in the Gospels that we traditionally go to in Christmas, Matthew and Luke's narratives. They give slightly different perspectives. Matthew wants to talk particularly to a Jewish audience. Luke wants to talk particularly to a, um, a Greek audience. But there is another birth narrative which is universal, and it's John's Gospel. And it's the birth narrative mainly more to the Greek world. And today we actually sit more on the tradition of the Greek thinking philosophers. And so we're going to look at John's Gospel just a little bit right now. I'm only going to go for a few more minutes, so just ask you just to really give me attention. John 1.1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. And right there, we should go, oh, oh, this is revelation that no human being could ever think of. In the Greek language, the word the is not even there. It simply says, in beginning. And all of the man's science, after all the years of study, whatever, they have now worked out that the Bible's right, that there was a beginning. There was a time when nothing existed. They call it the point of singularity. When do you think it was seven days ago or 13 billion years ago? We all agree there was a point when there was nothing and God spoke something into existence and said, let there be light. In beginning, here we have right back, before the world ever existed, before you and I thought of, we have a statement here. In beginning, God existed. And it's called the Word. In the Greek world, they understood that there's some unifying principle. The Greeks, without calculators, without uh, computers, just being able to sit down and logically deduce, they think that there must be some unifying principle to the universe. Some of them deified it, made it God. Others just said it was a bit like what Stephen Hawking says. It's gravity or it's atoms or something like that. And the only thing they could do is they couldn't agree on what the unifying principle was or the unifying person was. The only thing they could agree on is that we'll call it logos. We'll call it word. And so here we have, in the beginning, the word existed. And the Greeks saying, yeah, we know that. We know that. Now, here's, here's the brain breaker. Here's the deal. And the Word became flesh. Oh, now that, that turns every idea on that whatever all this is, whatever all this keeps us together, it became flesh. And His name is Jesus Christ. Changes everything immediately. And he goes on to say that as this word comes, it's the light that comes into every man's world. And so we can talk about Jesus coming to Bethlehem so many years ago. But I want to talk about your world, my world, the world of your neighbor. We all live in our own little worlds these days. It's the phenomenon of the 21st century is that we dial into our own reality. Your iPod, your phone, your PDA your computer games, your fashion. The other day I went out for lunch, took my daughter out on a dad date and we go to Hog's Breath. Boy, did I eat too much. But the table next to me was, was full of, what are they, goths? Goths. 
And, and, you know, this man, he was a man. He had dark eye shadow on like this, and he had rings and all these sort of protrusions coming out of his face. He had a coat hanger coming out of his ear. Not quite. He had uh, dreadlocks. One was a big, long, pink dreadlock, and there was a bit shaved off there and stuff like this. And his girlfriend was in fishnet stockings. And, I mean, if you met them at midnight and you just walk around the corner, you'd, you'd, you'd take your heart out. You'd miss a heartbeat and so. There's a whole group of them. Somehow they're defining themselves with some sort of a death culture. We are all in search of our own ideal worlds these days. You know, I'd be interested to get into your headphones sometimes, to get into your DVD collection, to get into your computer programs. We're defining our own reality. So here's the deal. Jesus is described as a word that existed before time. He is the creator And he's coming into the world. He's coming into the mess. In the same way he came into a place in Bethlehem that was, excuse me, that was full of manure and animals and all the rest. It wasn't an ideal place. I want to tell you, sometimes when God comes into my world, he's not coming to a clean place. He's not coming to a a place that's clean, that's pure and all the rest. Sometimes he's coming into my mess. And I really pray today that the message comes into your mess today. That you actually open up and you don't close the doors and say, there's no room in my life for Jesus Christ. He's the light. He's the truth. And he's coming today as light, as illumination, that you might see something differently. And he wants to come into our mess. And today I'm going for the one person here. I don't know who you are. But some of the greatest tragedies in life come from people that come out of church life. Just because you hear that does not mean that you're safe and in the hands of Jesus. I'm reaching you today. Let the light come into your darkness. The Bible says that the darkness does not comprehend it, doesn't understand it. Darkness hates light because what happens when the light comes? The darkness disappears. So darkness doesn't want the light, turns its back on light, wants to reject light because darkness will come and will try to overwhelm it. And so here's the light that comes into Mike's world. And there's this moment of decision, this moment of choice where I let Christmas be something real for me and I let the Word become flesh. I let the Lord, with all the angels celebrating his arrival, to arrive in my life. And one of the tragedies in this particular passage of John, there's a real pathos, there's a real sadness to it, because the Bible says, and he came unto his precious ones. He came unto his own. This word own here is not, it's a term of sentimentality, his dear ones. When Jesus came as the light of the world into the darkness of mankind, he didn't come to judge and to kill and to destroy and to say that you're foes. He came to lift and redeem and to restore. And some rejected him. It would be such a tragic thing today for Jesus to come unto his own and for his own not to receive him. And then there's this but in the text. But to those 
who received him. To those who believed on his name, he gave the right, the ability to become the children of God. And we beheld then his glory, the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the transformation of Christmas if you'll let it happen for you today. If you'll let the word, the word that I'm speaking now, become something that you believe, the Bible says that you receive. If you believe, you will receive. If you believe, you will receive. But you've got to believe. I'm not talking about mental assent. I'm not saying that you agree with the facts of what I'm saying. I'm saying that you trust, that you put your life into it, that you invest some change of behavior, that I believe God to be true. I believe he is my light. And he, I welcome into my mess. I welcome into my darkness. And at that moment, power comes. And you have the authority, the right to become a son of God. Full of, and then you see his glory. You know, that is what happens on the other side of actually accepting Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. And what you, don't, what you see is not judgment and condemnation. What you see is grace, <laughs> hallelujah, and truth, hallelujah, grace and truth. My reality was a lie. What I was trying to do and work out in my life, I was trying to invest myself into oh, the business is going to make me happy, the relationship's going to make me happy, my money's going to make me happy, consuming's going to make me happy. It's all a lie. And somewhere on the way, we've got to reject the lie of our own reality that often has been manipulated by demons and evil forces and the culture and all the rest. We have to reject that and embrace God's reality. God lives outside of time and he's calling me to live with him. And my meaning and purpose in life is invested in that. My task is to actually not be happy, but to glorify God. Oh, And what I have just said is the knife edge of whether you make it or don't make it. You'll either live to be happy and you'll add on Christianity as some sort of an additive that will enhance your quality of life that Jesus will be a little bit like the sugar that you put into your coffee. You know, I enjoy coffee, but a little bit of sugar just makes it a bit nicer. Or the other side of the knife edge is Jesus is all there is. He is what it's about. And if I give my life to Jesus, I also get coffee. That's a strange doctrine I just made up. (laughs) I might have lost you right there. (laughs) Does that make any sense? And sugar. I keep on turning myself off. In the beginning, I hope you hear those words differently now, the word already existed. The word sits outside of the universe. It's not contemporaneous with the universe. It's not continuous with the universe. Every other worldview, if you unlook it, whether it's materialism or whether it's Hinduism or whether it's any other, Buddhism, whatever and stuff, the universe is the same as God. 
Only Christianity and it's only Judaism, Christianity and monotheism says that those things are separate. That the creator is separate from creation. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and this life brought light to everyone. Light can come to you today. Yeah, because he brought light to everyone. Everyone can receive from God today light if they want it. The light shines in the darkness. Hallelujah. But the darkness can never extinguish it. Doesn't like it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, who was a forerunner to talk about the light, but he was not the light himself. He says that the one who is the true life that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came unto his own people, even they reject him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave right to become the children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plans, but birth that comes from God. So the word became human and that he made his home amongst us. What an incredible thing that God will come and make his home in you and in me. He'll come and settle down. Isn't that cool? Absolutely cool. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, one and God's only true Son. I'm so glad that there is a Christmas. Not only does it change our world and makes it a better world for everybody to live in, it made a better world for Mike Keating. made a much better world for me. We've uh, had a traditional Christmas tree on the stage today. Um, when we were going to put it up, I was uh, a little bit hesitant because one of the very first controversies I had back 30 years ago was a young pastor, 27 years ago. We put a Christmas tree in the foyer of our church and I had a few people get really cross with me. They got really cross with me over having a Christmas tree. And uh, anyway, I, I still don't understand why. But, but, you know, one of the things I love is the Australian Christmas tree. We've got some on our property, and it's just, a, I think, a really wonderful thing that this time of year when it's very dry and there's no rain around, all of a sudden in the Australian bush you'll see these incredible trees with these, you know, just incredible golden flowers, just shine, you know, just rich colour. And because the Australian Christmas tree, it's not a direct parasite, it's something between a parasite and a non-parasite, but it actually has the ability to flower in that glorious way in our summertime, in the dry time, because it's tapping in to the roots of another tree. They have these incredible roots with little cutters on them, you go find other trees, cuts into them, and it draws the life of other trees. And I think the Australian Christmas tree is a wonderful example of what real Christmas should be like. That you and I, we can bloom in the driest times because of a life source from another, and his name is Jesus. We can draw our life, our peace, our joy off Jesus because he lives in our life. So thank you for listening today. We're just going to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ in that very intimate way, I'd really just challenge you to think about what I've said today. Um, 
You know, making a decision for Jesus is an incredible thing. But, you know, it's something you've got to do. It's got to be something real for you. Uh, it's not to be manipulated. It's not to be pressured or whatever. But if what I'm saying is true, that's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Your creator has come into your world. And like the Jews of old, you can reject him. He's not going to force his way. But he's come as light today into our darkness. And I don't care how long you've been going to church or how long you've not been going to church. I'm just really interested that he's in your life. That you've invited him into the mess of your life. And there he speaks as Lord and as Master. And so I'm just going to pray everybody here today that that will be your personal reality as you go out the rest of this Christmas. Is that okay? Is that alright? Can we just take the hand of someone next to you? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we do thank you for Christmas for the fact that you as the eternal God took that incredible condescending step from heaven all the way to earth. Lord, you could have come as a king with a sword in your hand, but Lord, you came as a little baby. Lord, to a refugee couple. Lord, with no place to go. And Lord, you identified with us in that as God with us. Lord, I pray that every person in the sound of my voice today understand that God is for them and that you want to be with them and Lord you want to be in their life. Come Lord as light today I pray for every one of us. Illuminate our darkness dear Jesus that we might see that you are the answer, that you are the way, the truth and the life. There is no other way Lord except through you in all human efforts to create happiness or meaning or purpose outside of that definition is doomed to failure and frustration. Oh Lord, be the God in our life, we pray. This Christmas, change us. Or we want to be those, Lord, that are on the other side of that equation. Those that reject but for those who accept Help us this day to believe in us and receive us Everybody said, Amen. Hey, if that's meant something to you today, then you can just have a brief chat.